Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, thank you so much for the day. What a blessing the rain has been today. A blessing to see each other. A blessing to hear the songs about you. And Father, in just a few moments, we're all going to be singing to you. And that is a blessing indeed. So thank you for your son. Thank you for this power of your spirit who lives inside of each one of us who are followers of you. And I pray that this morning, God, will be a time that we will make commitments that will honor and glorify you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Thank you for being here today. This is your very first time. We'd love for you to take the opportunity to take the guest card that you've been given or in the pew in front of you. Fill it out its entirety. When you get ready to leave today, just put it in one of the offering boxes when you do. We would certainly appreciate that. Let's continue our time of worship and celebration. I invite you to stand if you're comfortable in doing so as we sing together a medley beginning with higher ground. I one again right where we begin into the new key lord lift me up and let me stand my faith on heaven's table and a higher plane that i 
seated if you would like to as we continue singing. Lord, it is a cry of my heart to be close to you. first acapella.
goodness, it's quiet in here. Wow. True respect to our Lord and Savior, isn't it? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, once more, Lord, we come to you. We come to you, Father, as a group of believers, members of this church, Lord, and visitors in this church. And God, we thank you, Father, for the prayers that you answer. And Lord, this morning, we also come to you with some specific prayers, Lord. We pray specifically for some of our people, some of our deacons, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that you will be a great physician for them this morning, Father. Pray that you'll put your healing touch on them, and not only them, Lord, but all those in this fellowship, Father, that need you in a medical way, in a special way, in a holy way, and God, we just ask you to descend, send your spirit to descend upon them. Father, we now ask your blessing, Father, on the service this morning. Pray, Lord, that you'll be with Pastor Kirby as he delivers the word and as we learn about how to fight off Satan. And God, we just pray that you'll give us open hearts, open minds, open ears, Lord, to hear what your spirit has to say for us. We thank you again, Lord, for all the many blessings that you have not only bestowed upon us as individuals, but collectively as a church as well. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. You're singing so beautifully this morning. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely? Because I'm happy, I sing because I'm 
Our scripture reading for today is from 1 John, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Please follow along on the screen as we share the scripture. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, 
but whoever does the will of God lives forever. We are blessed by the reading of these verses, for these are the words of the Lord. Amen. Have a blessed day. You can't sing this next one sitting down as well as you can standing up. There's victory in Jesus against all those things that Brenda just read about from the scripture. So let's stand as we sing together that beautiful old hymn, Victory in Jesus.
Some people say that Satan is not real. Others have questions about how he intervenes, tempts, tries to deceive us. If you look at Hollywood and you look at mainline media and others, they diminish the idea of Satan. They look toward caricatures. They look toward things that don't seem serious or real. But Satan was definitely real to the old deacon who was a prayer warrior. And he had a special tree that he would go and he would pray under. When asked about that, he said, well, it's like this. When I head over to my praying tree, the devil hops off my back because he's always on my back. And I'm not, when I'm in the praying mode under my praying tree, man, I tell you, it's a sweet fellowship with Jesus. I intercede and I fellowship and we have the best of time. And when I finish up my time of prayer and I start heading back into life, the old devil just hops right back on my back. He said, he is real. Satan and his demons are constantly tempting human beings to sin against God. We've been talking about different aspects of temptation the last couple of weeks and today and we will next week as well. I want to try and give us an understanding today about how Satan tempts us. And the Bible gives us many examples. Peter said the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The scripture tells us that Satan fills people's hearts to lie. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 3, the scripture says that Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled you up so that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received from the land? Because he said he was going to give it all. We find the scripture telling us that Satan is the deceiver. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, For this reason, when, when I could stand it no longer, I sent out to find about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you, and that all our labors might have been in vain. In Satan's temptation of Eve in Genesis 3 and in his temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, we see the tactics that he uses and he continues to use on us. While varied in their details, most temptations fall into three categories that Brenda read in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now, who is the ruler of the world? Well, the scripture tells us in Ephesians 2.2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit 
who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So he's called the ruler of the kingdom of the air. In John 12, 31, he's called the prince of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, he's called the God, little g, of this age. All talking about Satan, who is the ruler of this present world. The one who is the deceiver. So this morning, I want to talk about each of these three ways that Satan can try to drag us into the temptation for us to submit so that we will be disobedient to God. First is the lust of the flesh. That term lust is an overwhelming desire or craving. In Satan's first temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3, he appealed to the lust of the flesh. Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He had been fasting. He was hungry. And what did Satan do? Satan tempted him to use the power that he had to make bread. That rocks. But Jesus resisted the temptation by using Scripture. But the encounter shows us that Satan does not play fair. He exploits our physical weaknesses. He kicks us when we're down. I think sometimes the worst time to make a decision is at night. Because you're tired. You're emotionally tired. Sometimes you're not thinking as clearly. Sometimes for uh, people, that is the time that they get more melancholy, discouraged, frustrated. And Satan loves that. He loves to, to look and see how, how he can come and sneak in in that time of weakness or weariness. He knows the weak places of our flesh, and he looks for opportunities to stir those unholy passions of our hearts. When Satan tempted Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit, he suggested to her that the Lord was keeping something delicious and something desirable, better from her. When he tempts us with the lust of the flesh, he points to the natural desires and suggests that we should meet them, but meet them in our own special, selfish way. The couple in the garden, their natural desire was for food, and that was not wrong. But Satan exploited it. And the desire became sin when it was fulfilled in an ungodly way. Sexual immorality begins with the natural desire for that closeness, that intimacy. But if we've not allowed Jesus to become our greater passion, the tempter may convince us to meet that need in our own selfish way. When fleshly desires rule us, they take priority over God's will, then they can cause us to violate God's righteousness. And therefore they become lusts. Therefore they become sin. 
because we have submitted to them. So he attacks us in the realm of the lust of the flesh. But John goes on to talk about the lust of the eyes. That's the second way that Satan can tempt us. The lust of the eyes. Eve's eyes told her that there was something about the fruit that conflicted with what God had said about it. He said, leave it alone. Satan said, oh, there's something better there. Doesn't it look good? As we look at Adam and Eve, we find that they rebelled against God's commandment because they saw that it was good for food and it was a delight to the eye. Our eyes play a major role in our decision making. We see something, we want it, and our flesh agrees that we should have it. <laughs> this could lead to covetousness, jealousy, or sexual lust. And we live in a world, frankly, where we are overstimulated. It could be on our computer screen, on the TV, on our cell phone, social media, whatever you want to look at. We, our, our eyes take in uh, a million bits of information through the day. And unless we are able to filter that information through a pure heart, it is possible our eyes will lead us in temptation because we see something that is desirable. And our, our adversary whispers in our ear, says, oh, that, that's something that you want. It's something that you deserve. It, it's special for you. Go ahead. Reach out. Take it. So we have to have a pure heart. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 5.18, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. There is the ability to have that purity in heart. The psalmist said that the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. He talks about that idea of clean hands and a pure heart. Those are the things that are going to lead us away from the temptation of the eyes. When Abram and Lot returned from Egypt in Genesis chapter 13, the land was too crowded for both of them, all their flocks. And in fact, Lot's um, uh, men began fighting with Abram's Lot, uh, his, his men. And um, Abram said, yeah, I think it's time for us to split up. And so you look and you see what part of the land is best for you. And so the scripture tells us that Law, uh, Lot saw the, uh, the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered, like the gardens of God. And so Lot chose to settle ultimately in Sodom, where the scripture says the people were wicked and sinned greatly against the Lord. So what he saw was something that was desirable. And as he chose to move that direction, it was just one step farther, another move, to go ahead and move into the, the town instead of being in the rural area, a place that was full of sin. 
Abram, however, he listened to God. He took the land that was given him. He took it as a blessing. And by following God's directions and remaining obedient to him, we find that Abram was promised all the land that he could see. And the offspring would last forever. And so our eyes, they are major in our decision-making of where they'll lead us. Contrast Abram with Samson. Samson began his downhill slide with the flush, uh, lust of the, of the eyes. Uh, if you go to uh, Judges chapters 14 through 16, it details Samson's flirtation with sin and the tragic results. He was God's chosen leader. Samson, therefore, had absolutely no business whatsoever hanging out in the Philistine territory, much less flirting with their women, but his eyes led him into sin. In fact, in Judges 14, verses 1 through 3, the scripture says, Then Samson went down to Timnah and saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman, get her for me, for she looks good to me. <laughs> it all started with the lust of the eyes. Samson, Lot, Adam, Eve, they saw things that were good to look at, desirable. They seemed like it wasn't a big deal. But what they wanted was they wanted those. Their lust of the eyes led to their downfalls. And sadly, all four followed Satan's deception. That deception that whispers in their ear. Doesn't that look good? You should grab it and take it and take it your way. I think the scripture is very clear that clear consequences resulted in their lives. And those same clear consequences, they will also follow us if we follow Satan's deceptions. So no matter what age we are, no matter what condition or season of life we're in, we always have to be attuned to Satan's deceptions. The temptations. When Satan tempted Jesus, he tried to get the Son of God to lust with his eyes as well by showing him all the kingdoms of the world. Took him to the highest place, showing him everything, offering him everything without the cross. He could be ruler of all the kingdoms of this world without going to the cross. Jesus defeated Satan's temptation again with Scripture. Jesus said in Luke 4, 8, It is written, Worship the Lord your God only and serve Him. Despite what his eyes saw, Jesus would not be swayed. He was determined. Therefore, in Jesus' case, Satan could not exploit the lust of his eyes. Let me ask this question. Who lives in you? 
Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, he lives with you. His spirit lives in you. Therefore, you can't come back and say, oh, I just couldn't, couldn't do it. Jesus could do it because he's the son of God, but, but I can't. No, Jesus lives in you. And so you've got to have him as your greatest passion to be able to ward off any kind of temptation that Satan would throw your way. And that leads us to what John said was the third temptation. And that is the pride of life. The pride of life, it is the desire of every human being to be his or own little g-god. To be in control of things. Arrogance, self-promotion, self-sufficiency, and greed all stem from the pride of life. Jesus shared an example of the pride of life when he uh, spoke in Luke chapter 12 about a, a rich farmer who had an incredible crop. And uh, he said to himself, you know what, self, <laughs> look what I have. So what am I going to do? I'll tear down the barns that I have and I'll build bigger barns. And he says in portions of 19, 20, and 21, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be taken and demanded from you. And then he said, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich God. I like the way that um, one translator in the message, Peterson, put it. He said, take life easy. You can retire now and enjoy. <laughs> the ability for us to take the pride in life of what we've done and say, you know what? We've got it all. We don't need anything else or anyone else. The pride of life. Look what I've done. Satan tempted Jesus with the pride of life. In Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, the scripture says that the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up from their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And here Satan, he gave Jesus the opportunity to show off. Gave him the opportunity to publicly prove that he was the Son of God. This act would have been a spectacular miracle. It would have certainly involved the Father's care and many angels coming to take care of the Son of God. But Jesus' response to Satan's third temptation was again 
through scripture. He dismissed him with the scripture. He said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. There are people that like to just be in the background, but there are people that like to be in the spotlight. To say, look, look at me. Look at what I did. Look at who I am. Listen, however Satan comes to tempt you, I want you to understand that he tempts in many ways. But as Paul stated in 2 Corinthians 2, we are not unaware of his schemes. What Paul's trying to get across is we know what his tactics are. It started in the Garden of Eden. I spoke on that two Sundays ago. We know what his pattern is. If we try to, to put it out of our mind, say, well, that doesn't really apply to me. If we dismiss it and say, I don't know much about Satan. I just try to somehow plow through. Then you're missing what Paul's trying to get across. We must be very attuned and aware of the ways and the schemes that Satan uses because he will tempt us when we are down. If I were to ask every one of us here to raise your hand if you had an area of weakness, every single one of us do. We know that Satan masquerades as an angel of light, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 11. And he makes evil look good. That's why the, the scripture says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't turn those things around. It says the world, the world's going to look at right and say it's wrong, and they're going to look at wrong and say it's right. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He masquerades as an angel of light. We know that he manipulates with false, false guilt. He exploits natural weaknesses. And he twists scriptures to make us think they, think they mean something that they don't. And he can use those who are speaking those scriptures, or speaking on those scriptures, or teaching those scriptures to twist those meanings as well. We know that he deceives, he distracts, and he destroys. That's who Satan is. He has many fiery darts, and he doesn't mind using them time and time and time again at those who are striving to be all that God wants them to be. But let me tell you what, they're all quenched by the shield of faith. 
Remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So, you may not have the capability to stand up to Satan in your own physical well-being because of our weaknesses. But if we take on the shield of faith, we can extinguish every temptation that he fires at us. But we have to keep it up. We can't overcome the temptations of Satan because as 1 John 4, 4 says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Don't ever believe that Satan and Almighty God are co-equal. They are not. Satan eventually will be in hell, not as the leader of hell, but he will be cast there for eternity. And all those that follow him. But the creator God, who has a compassionate heart for those that he gave free choice, those who chose to disobey him, which includes all of us, said, I have, I have the solution and he is my son. And Jesus' perfection, his sinlessness, his death, burial, and resurrection, it shows us that he is the one who is greater. So we don't have to fall to temptation. We don't have to lie down and say, I just can't do it. We have to depend upon him. But he must be the priority. So listen, Satan may tempt us through the lust of the flesh. But remember what Paul says, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is where our focus must be. Satan may tempt us through the lust of the eyes, but our prayer should be that of the psalmist in, one, in Psalm 119. Turn my eyes away from worthlessness things. Preserve my life according to your word. And Satan may tempt us through the pride of life, but we can humble ourselves continually before God. We don't got to tell anybody else that we're humble. We got to be humble before God. And it'll show to everybody else. Peter said, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. So when we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. James said basically the same thing in, in James 4.10. He said, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So is Satan real? Yes. Does Satan continue to try to tempt us? Yes. The three broad categories that he tempts us, 
lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Pretty well covers it all. But you don't have to submit to it, and you don't have to trip over it. You don't have to say, I just am too weak, because you have the power of God's Spirit inside of you. And you can be an overcomer. That's why we sing the song, Victory in Jesus, not in our own abilities. And so this morning, during our time of invitation, it's a very specific, this morning, commit yourself to allowing the power of God, Jesus Christ, to be the priority of your life so that no matter how hard Satan tempts you or throws his fiery darts at you, no matter how difficult times get, you know it's your faith is in Jesus. Commit or recommit to that and then live the way God wants you to live, serving him faithfully. Father, as we move into this time of invitation, we just ask that you would help us to understand these types of temptations. That many times we just kind of hide under. But the reality is that while sometimes we face these in public settings, the reality is the, these are things we deal with in our mind and heart that come our way and the struggles that we have but God, through the power of your word, through your spirit who lives inside of us, through Jesus Christ who is our Savior, you have given us the way to overcome. And I pray we will commit to make him the priority so that we will overcome everything because of Christ who lives in us. So whatever it takes this morning for us to rededicate or recommit ourselves to make you the priority, please, Father, guide us in that way. If there are those here today that, that are struggling, even with their salvation, of whether, whether they actually have a relationship, God, I pray that we'll, we will confirm that today. And God, I ask that you would bring people to be a part of this congregation so that together we might be the salt and the light, the, sharing the compassionate care in this community, as well as the light of the gospel. So this morning, in this time of invitation, our response needs to be to hear what you say to each one of us. And that, Father, we respond accordingly. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let's stand and sing our invitation. Take my life. Teach me, Lord, take my life, teach 
go ahead and be seated for just a moment. And I just want to remind you and encourage you, we start a brand new <coughs> period of time of our dinner fellowship groups. It's going to start in September, goes through January. I think you have till the 20th of August to sign up. The sign-up sheets are in both lobbies. But I wanted to clarify, because this came up at our dinner fellowship group last night. Um, if you have signed up for the spring, and for some of us, we continued into the summer, you still need to sign up for the fall, okay? It doesn't carry over. <laughs> so you have to sign up if you would, okay? And I think this past spring we had 70, 70 uh, people in about eight groups. It has been a wonderful time. I hope that you will sign up and be involved. But I wanted to clarify, make sure you sign up for the fall time. Ms. Nancy? Last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday mornings, we had a wonderful time at Adult Vacation Bible School. I invite any of you who participated, led, taught, did games, passed out snacks, or if you were just a comer and you were beaten in one of the games, would you stand? And for some of them, standing is a little bit more difficult because one of the games required some deep knee bends. <laughs> You'll have to come next year to find out what that was. But I appreciate so much all of you who led, prepared, and participated. I really do. NASCAR has absolutely nothing on our guys who did race cars for their craft. So thank you so much. Men, today is the last opportunity for you to sign up for the Men's Fellowship Breakfast, which will be this Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. Sign-up sheets are in both lobbies, so if you've not already signed up and you are planning to come, then I need you to do that. You will see on the back of the bulletin that Reverend Steve Murray will be the speaker, and you will want to be a part of that. On Wednesday evening, August the 9th, Partners on Mission, we will have a guest speaker from Operation Christmas Child who will be talking to us about some changes with that ministry. And yes, it'll soon be time for us to be filling those boxes. So I encourage you also to sign up for that in one of the lobbies, indicating what you would like to bring for the potluck or just bring whatever you would like to. That would be okay too. And last thing, women, on August the 14th, you'll see that there's a Women's Fellowship Lunch. There's a box in the breezeway lobby here for you to put a baby picture of yourself. And you'll find out what that is for at the luncheon on August the 14th. Would you stand as Bonnie Reinhardt comes to lead us in our closing prayer? Come ahead, Bonnie. Please join me in our closing prayer. Lord, I come before you today with praise and thanksgiving. I praise you for sending your son to be my redeemer. Thank you, God, and thank you that I said yes. I thank you for your never-ending love, mercy, care, compassion, joy. You are an awesome God. And God, I thank you for this church, our pastor, Dr. Kennedy. He is true to your word and a wonderful shepherd. This loving body of believers, the teachers, the church staff, we all love you and long to serve you to our fullest. God, I hold up our people 
that are ill and hurting, the ones traveling, be with each one, give them the comfort they need. God, our country needs you. We need a huge revival in the nation. Help our people to be stronger voiced, to stand up for you, your word, your ways. May you be felt in our schools, businesses, courts, government. So many evil, morally wrong things have a strong presence in America today. Blot them out. Turn our hearts to you, Lord, I pray. Revive us, God. Make us a strong people under you. And I thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings you have poured out on us and continue to pour out. We love you, Lord, and may we take your message today and apply it to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen.